Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Epiphany Lutheran Church of Mount Vernon, Virginia. We're a congregation of the Metro DC Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And you can find out more about us on our website at epiphanylutheran.org. Today we read Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he says that to those who do not yet know the God revealed to us in Jesus, the message of the cross is foolishness. But for us who have come to know the God made manifest in Christ, it is the power of God. I think our other two readings today help to show us what Paul means and how what he says is true. So two Sundays ago, we read that Jesus left his hometown of Nazareth to go to the Jordan River, where John the Baptist was teaching and baptizing. Jesus is baptized there. He spends 40 days in the wilderness. And then today we read that John the Baptist was arrested and put into prison on the orders of King Herod. And that when John is arrested, Jesus does not go back home to Nazareth, but instead moves to the small fishing village of Capernaum on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Now, why does Jesus move there? Well, Matthew has an answer to this question. Matthew's Gospel tells us that the decision of Jesus to respond to John's arrest by moving to Capernaum reminds us of the words of the prophet Isaiah that we read in the first reading today. And part of that text is probably familiar to many of you because we read it every year on Christmas Eve. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Now on Christmas Eve, we start that passage with those words in verse 2, but Matthew's quote of the passage today highlights the first verse, which tells us Isaiah was not simply speaking about just any people who walked in darkness. Isaiah was thinking of some very specific people, the people who lived in the historic lands of the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, which are the lands around the Sea of Galilee. You see, in Isaiah's time, Israel was constantly under threat of invasion, coming from the north. And so the northernmost parts of the land of Israel, the area around the Sea of Galilee, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, these particular areas were directly in the line of fire. They were always experiencing war and violence and occupation. And Isaiah had good news to tell. God is bringing a new kingdom of peace. And this is especially good news for the traumatized people of Zebulun and Naphtali. It's as if a modern prophet in, let's say, today's Ukraine were to say, O land of Donbass, O land of Kherson, the people who lived in a land of deep darkness, a great light will shine upon you. God's kingdom of peace is coming especially for you. Now, I don't think that Matthew draws a parallel between this prophecy of Isaiah and Jesus moving to Capernaum simply because it's the same geographical location that's involved. I, I think it's more than that. 
Nearly 800 years had passed since Isaiah's prophecy. Much had changed in that region. The people living around the Sea of Galilee were no longer worried about invasions from Assyria. But as it happens, this was still a region that was particularly troubled. Except now, their problem was the very same King Herod who had just put John the Baptist in jail. Herod Antipas, which is his full name, was the youngest son of the King Herod that we know from the Christmas story, who died not long after Jesus was born. The original King Herod was called the King of the Jews, but he really wasn't fully even Jewish by ethnicity. He was installed as king by the Roman Empire. And when Herod died, Rome decided to divide the land among Herod's sons. His older son, named Archelaus, became king over the important areas, including Jerusalem. But turned out he was so incompetent that the Romans very quickly got rid of him and replaced him with military governors sent directly from Rome. That's how we get Pontius Pilate in charge of Jerusalem at the time of the Gospel stories. But the younger son, Herod Antipas, remained as king, but he only got to be king over some of the less important areas, such as the wilderness area around the Jordan River where John was baptizing, and the poor rural areas of Galilee in the north. And the driving ambition of Herod Antipas's life was to persuade the Romans to let him be a real king like his father. And Herod Antipas had been advised that if he wanted to achieve his life's goal, what he needed to do was to show Rome that he could generate a lot of revenue from his little territory in Galilee. And so, in those years, Herod launched a major project to turn the fishing industry around the Sea of Galilee into a moneymaker for Rome. And so from now on, every fishing boat would be required to have an expensive license. Every fish that was caught had to be taxed. The fish would no longer be used to sustain the lives and the communities who were living around the lake. They would now be diverted to new processing and salting and canning industries, producing salted fish and fish sauces that could be exported, all so Herod could prove to Rome how much money he could make for them. And so life was changing and becoming much harder for the people living around the Sea of Galilee, especially in the little fishing villages like Capernaum. And when this same Herod Antipas arrests John the Baptist and throws him into prison, Jesus is spurred into action. And we know that Jesus thought highly of John the Baptist. Matthew quotes Jesus later in the Gospel as saying that among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. And a world where a great man like John can get arrested and thrown into prison, that's a world where darkness reigns. A world that would imprison someone like John is a world that's messed up and needs fundamental transformation. And that's what Jesus sets out to bring. And this, I think, is what reminds Matthew 
of what the prophet Isaiah had said. O land of Zebulun and Naphtali, O land around the Sea of Galilee, today you are in anguish, today you have been brought into contempt, but when the kingdom of God comes, you will be glorious, and it will be said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined for the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you, O God, have smashed, as in the days of Moses and Pharaoh. Jesus moves to Capernaum because Capernaum is the heart of the darkness that has silenced the voice and eventually will claim the life of John the Baptist. Jesus responds to John's arrest by going directly to the places and the people who are suffering the most under the yoke of Herod Antipas, to the fishing villages on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus takes up the same message as John, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is here where Jesus starts to attract his first disciples. Where? From the fishermen of Capernaum, from the people being directly most crushed by what Herod is doing. And this is where Jesus begins to make God's kingdom of peace and freedom something practical and real by his healings, by his teachings, by his building a community centered on stressed-out fishermen, and reformed tax collectors, of people who had been walking in the deepest darkness, to whom he brought hope and light and life. And Jesus does this not in spite of John, Herod's arrest of John the Baptist, but because of it. Because if the light is in you, you will be drawn to the darkness. Jesus intentionally purposely goes to the place of darkness. Jesus goes to where people are suffering and carrying the cross. And Jesus carries that cross with them and for them so the light can dawn. And in the end, of course, that's why they're going to kill him too. It may seem like the height of foolishness, when Herod Antipas is arresting someone like John the Baptist, to go straight to the people most burdened by what Herod Antipas is doing, and to bring the kingdom of God there, to take up John's mantle there, to share the burdens of those people in particular, it would have been so much safer, so much more sensible for Jesus to have kept his head down, to go home to Nazareth and wait for things to settle down, and yet Jesus does the opposite. And Isaiah tells us why. When the kingdom of God comes, Isaiah had said, it will come especially to the place of deepest darkness, to the place of the greatest suffering, to the place of the most confusion and anguish and despair. When the word of God is made flesh, he will go purposely, directly to the place of darkness, he will allow what is being done to us in the place of darkness to be done to him. That's how strong the love of God is for those who dwell in deep darkness. That's how committed God is.
to bring light and life and salvation to people who are walking in darkness. And to be willing to carry another's cross for them, that might seem like foolishness. But for those who have come to know the God who is embodied in Jesus, it's the source of great power. And so when we see injustice, when we see suffering and pain, when we see good people being ground up for the profit and the selfish ambition of others, when we see people in anguish and despair, we who have come to know the great power that is in the message of the cross, we don't hide our heads in the sand. We run to the darkness. Not because darkness or suffering is God's will. It's not. It's not because we're looking for a reward or a medal. It's because we've come to understand that the place of deepest darkness is where God is. That's where the light is. That's where the dawn is breaking. And maybe that seems foolish to you. Maybe it is. But I think what Paul wanted the Corinthian community and us to understand is that once we've learned of the power of God that comes, when Jesus went to our darkest place and carried our crosses for us, then we, as the community of Jesus, we can learn to have the faith to do ourselves what Jesus has done for us. We also can learn the power that comes from running to the darkness, from helping somebody else carry a cross, from witnessing the dawning of the kingdom of God. Thanks for listening to our Epiphany Sermon Podcast. You're welcome to join us for Sunday worship online, or if you're in Northern Virginia in person, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to this podcast on iTunes, please give us a rating and a review. It helps other people to find us. Thank you.